Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 32. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And this is a special pop up edition of Fed Heads. Now, I call it that as kind of a ripoff when they set up a store like in Times Square on. Thanksgiving Day, Black Friday, and it's only there for a little while. You mean, you mean Old Town Alexandria, where they have pop-up stores? Okay, so that yeah. I don't go there very often. Yeah, well, but you I, should. Um, well, yeah, maybe, you should. It's maybe a great I, place to visit. Anyway, they do that, and that's kind of what we're doing. This is a pop-up episode of FedHeads, and we're at the Executive Leadership Conference. Imagination 2018 is what it's called this year. Act IAC puts it on every year. It's in Philadelphia for the first time ever. It's my favorite conference of the year. It's a great chance to get outside Washington, talk to people, and really figure out what's going on in people's brains. And I'm very pleased that you're here and that we have an opportunity to do Fed Hits from here. It's pretty I've, cool. I've, I've been involved with this conference for many years, and I agree with you. It's unbelievable. We've always done it in Williamsburg. That's how I remember it. Yes. Now we're doing it. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And there's about a 1,000 people here, so there's going to be a terrific idea exchange over the next couple of days. But one of the people who has been instrumental, I think, in not just my involvement with this conference, but my involvement with this whole community is our guest on FedHeads today, and it's Dan Chenick, who's the leader of the IBM Center for the Business of Government. It's great to see you, my friend. Great to see you, Francis. Great to see you, Robert. Um, It's probably important to note that Probably no one has spent more time locked in a room with Dan Chenock in his career than me. Really? Yeah. This is an OMB thing, I hope. And Dave McClure. Yeah. Tell me how that worked. It was the EGOV Act negotiation process from 2001 and 2002. And Dave was at GAO. Dave was at GAO. Robert was uh, Senator Thompson's lead staffer. Uh Uh-huh. And Senator Lieberman's lead staffer, so Thompson and Lieberman were the chairs yes. of Senate Gov Affairs, mm-hmm. right, before Homeland Security. And I was the administration lead negotiator. And the four of us, with a few uh, other people kind of c- coming in and out, basically worked through the EGOV Act and, and over the course of about a year kind of wrote that bill. And then, then Davis, Tom, Congressman Davis brought in FISMA mm-hmm. and some of the procurement uh, authorities, and the bill was pass through the House and the Senate. So with that kind of experience and that kind of background, tie that and the discussions that were involved in that mm-hmm. to what we're here talking about at this conference this weekend and, and this week. Because one of the frustrations that I have with covering this space from a journalistic perspective is it seems we tend to talk about the same things in cycles. Is that a fair characterization on my part, or am I oversimplifying it a little Yeah, I, I tend to think of the progression of technology in, in the government space as sort of a set of step functions mm-hmm. that then get locked in either through policy or statute. So the EGOV Act was taking a, a, a sort of a big idea that sort of increasing the OMB policy official role in technology, and then rolling in some stuff that was happening at the time that Mark Foreman was leading, um, that agencies were moving forward in terms of the early sort of e-commerce, bringing the internet to the government, and locking it in in statute. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of had a few years where Karen Evans came in and solidified and worked a lot on implementation. Robert was at OMB uh, at the time, and Karen sort of focused a lot on cybersecurity Mm -hmm. uh, as well. 
and then you had sort of the new administration, the Obama administration came in, open government, mm-hmm. you know, sort of, you know, moved, moved out. There was a lot of action, a lot of policy. So I look at that and as, you know, sort of there are a series of steps that happened. Then, then you had sort of fears of solidification. Then you had Fatara and MGT. And here we are today, and we're talking about moving into the future. Mm-hmm. And we have, at this conference, we heard tonight from a leading futurist, uh, we have artificial intelligence, we have blockchain, we have new technologies exploding in the private sector that the government is adopting. And so now we have to adjust our policy frame. And maybe in a year or two, we'll sort of be at that next step function. Mm-hmm. I think one of the uh, remarkable things is that at the time, the purpose of our engagement was to leverage modernization in the private sector for the government. Mm-hmm. And that continues to be what we do. But it's not like we haven't made progress mm-hmm. in those interims each of those each of those engagements means we are um, making great steps and building on the things we've done to date uh, 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 it's not true that the government is not taking advantage of modernization in the private sector we are mm-hmm. but it's it's sometimes harder because of the statutory privacy regulatory roadblocks that, that confront us to get there mm-hmm. but We've made a lot of progress, and, and it we're building on that. It should be harder. The Tocqueville said two cheers for democracy. Uh, and he was talking about the fact that it's harder to make the trains run on time, and that's by design. Mm-hmm. And we need to remember that government exists not to do everything exactly like the private sector does, because there's a lot of people that government serves that the private sector would never serve from a profit perspective, mm-hmm. but it's legitimate that we as a nation... Uh, want to uh, serve those people. We can do it effectively and efficiently, and we should. Can we just pause for a moment and reflect on the first reference to de Tocqueville? (laughs) The history of it has taken us till episode 32 to get to Alexis de Tocqueville. That's great. There you go. That's That's fantastic. And Dan Chenick made it happen. God bless you. Um, You recently had a terrific event to celebrate the 40th anniversary? 20th. 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 Well, but, Here's but, to 20 more. But 40 is a, a good reference because we didn't think about the first 20. We used the occasion of the 20th mm-hmm. to think about the next 20. Okay, so, so that's the whole conversation the was a 40 year spread. You meant to say that. Well, okay. Right? Uh, yes, I could. Yes, I did. That's what genius. I meant. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, the event, the piece of that event that I thought was the most interesting was you, you had. Uh, panel of deputy directors for management at who had served at OMB. And I think that position is maybe the most underrated in the entire federal government because outside of our community, the people who care about these things, there's no human in America that has any idea that the job even exists, let alone who the person is that's filling it at any particular time. That's probably good because that means that person doesn't put up with the slings and arrows of whatever the political climate of the day is. Uh, Why did you want to focus on DDMs and hear from previous DDMs, and then you had Margaret Weikert there, the current one. Mm-hmm. Why, why did you think that was an important subject to draw attention to? Well, I do think that DDMs do enter into the political fray uh, and have in the past, and, and do, uh, when they are doing things well, they get called uh, out uh, effectively by Congress, by, by presidents. Um, uh, when Robert was at OMB, President Bush cared deeply about the agenda of the DDM. It mm-hmm. helped that 
Clay Johnson, the DDM at that time, who was part of this panel, was a close, longtime friend of the president. Um, but I do think that, yes, it's a job that a lot of people don't know, but it does get involved in implementing some of the government's most important functions in terms of making them run effectively. Mm-hmm. We wanted to create a discussion, back to Robert's point, about government building it from a management perspective across administrations in a bipartisan way. And so we said you, that Margaret Weikert now is moving out on a management agenda with cross-agency goals that very much built on the foundation in the National Performance Review, the National Partnership for Reinventing Government, that were built on the president's management agenda that Robert helped to lead in the Bush administration, that were advanced by the open government and cloud agenda uh, in the Obama administration, and that are now moving forward uh, in this administration. And we wanted to show that, that sweep in terms of the DDMs kind of working together. And they all seem to really like talking to each other. Mm-hmm. It was a really interesting dynamic to see them, uh, kind of the interplay that they had uh, together. The deputy director for management job at OMB has got to be the one with the most responsibilities in anybody in government. Mm-hmm. So the deputy director is the ch- chairman of the chief financial officers council, the chief co-chairman of the chief human capital officer council, chairman of the chief information officers council. Um, the the number of responsibilities that invested in that individual are more than they can handle. But they've got delegate delegates in the CIO, the, co- the controller, um, who can carry out those responsibilities. But this is the quarterback mm-hmm. of the management agenda, the mm-hmm. personal responsibility for bringing it all together, making sure people are focused on the most important objectives. Uh, it was great that you were able to get them, get a number of them on a single panel to talk about that shared experience and what we need to drive improvement. Yeah, and it was interesting. We, we wanted to have a DDM from each administration. Um, and it was interesting because we had Andrew Mayock and Margaret who worked together. Margaret came a little bit later, but Andrew certainly worked on the transition. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we had uh, Clay Johnson and Sally Katzen, who also were kind of transitioned yes. uh, fr- from those two administrations. And so it, it, they had, the interplay that they had with one another was very comfortable and really demonstrated, as Robert said, that this is a job that yeah. Margaret used the term plumber. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and which that sounds really, like her. Which is really you know, the people that make things work well. Mm-hmm. And you don't notice it if... If it works well, you right. kind of don't know with what they're doing. It's only when it doesn't work well that you mm-hmm. you see that there's a, a problem. And, and I give her great credit for um, for really taking the agenda and moving it forward. I highly recommend to anybody that's even remotely interested in this topic that they go to the show notes for this episode of FedHeads. We'll put a link there mm-hmm. to the video of this event because it's worth every second of the time that you take to watch it. But in the couple minutes that we have left, I want to get feedback from each of you. You've both watched the people that have performed this job for almost all of the years that there's been this job. What makes an effective deputy director for management? What are the skills that that person has and how do they deliver them effectively that we stand back at the end of their tenure and say that person was successful at that job? It's going to be really hard to, to isolate characteristics that ought to embody each of those. Mm-hmm. When I worked for Clay, one of the major 
um, values that he brought to the job, in addition to his business acumen, incredible focus on results, was his close relationship with the president. So people knew that when Clay was driving improvement, that he had the imprimatur of the president of the United States. Not every DDM is going to have that. But if you look at today, Margaret Weikert, she's got incredible private sector experience, and she is driving improvement across the administration without that close relationship with the president. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what distinguishes those two, but either a focus on results, relationship with the chief executive, or both are really valuable. So I think that the focus on results, and Clay talked about this and Margaret talked about this in the panel, it's management is the means, whether it's technology, financial, procurement, the end that they care about is that management contributes to a better result um, in the programs and services that are delivered to the mm-hmm. country. And the DDMs that understand how to bring together all these communities, and I worked for Sally Katzen when she was the DDM, and she talked about the, the bringing together of the communities as a critical success factor. And then Clay talked about, and doing this in a way that points to an outcome, you know, Andrew talked about leveraging a process to, to move forward, like the U.S. Digital Service. And then, of course, Margaret has all of the elements of the president's management agenda that she's moving forward. It's all about driving these, and I think this concept of mission and service and stewardship that's at the core of the management agenda now is something that really does build on this, this arc of history. I would... I won't try to name all of the people that I know at the IBM Center for the Business of Government who are great. I I do want to give a shout out to John Kamensky in particular because John's been a friend of mine for a long time and has helped me learn a lot about this community the same way that you have. So I appreciate him. And you're the person you succeeded, Jonathan Bruhl, is another one. And there are many others there. And I am sorry that I can't name them all. But it's great to have you on FedHeads. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Robert. You're great colleagues. Happy to be here. It's an enormous. privilege to have my mentor and friend Dan Chenock on the Fat Heads. Uh, Thank you very much as always Robert. Love you Francis. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Fat Heads brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.